Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, when Mike Williams vanishes on a hunting trip, authorities suspect he was eaten by alligators. But the true predators may lurk much closer to home. We'll review the latest season of Over My Dead Body, Gone Hunting. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of the These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband and love of my life, the plaid wearing Kevin Flynn. Happy fall, Kevin. Yeah, it's about that time. You know what? I actually, I'm not even a pumpkin spice fan. Me neither. But they had pumpkin spice Cheerios, and for some damn reason, I bought them. Yeah, how are they? I haven't, I haven't even opened them. Like I said, I don't like Cheerios. And I don't even like pumpkin spice. I'm like, what's wrong? I don't even recognize myself. <laughs> it's okay. I bought a pair of old lady shoes today. So, yeah, something is off. <laughs> I'm so excited. It's fall. It feels like back to school time. It feels all cozy. You had to get new shoes. You're literally wearing a plaid flannel shirt. It's nice. Nice brush flannel. It's all flannel. crisp out today. It is, yeah. It's wonderful. Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of The Final Curtain, Laura Bricker. Hey, Laura. Hey, I got no plaid and no new shoes, uh, but I'm here. Yes, you are. Welcome. Mm -hmm. It's nice to have you back. (laughs) And finally, our captain of all things cynical, the author of the City Trilogy of Novels, host of the Strange Arrivals podcast, and our Patreon deep dive book club podcast, Toby Ball. Hey, Toby. Hey, Rebecca. So, Kevin, what is coming up on Thursday's podcast? This is obviously Monday show. Yeah, on Thursday, we're going to be talking about the new uh, documentary from Netflix. It's called Scout's Honor. Okay. Is there something else you would like to talk about, though, Kevin, before we get started with the show? Well, you're just like moving this right along. Hey, oh, I just want. Okay. I, I, Sorry. I just should I like, pause for a minute? Let you well, there's actually, on that like, some more? there's actually like this long subtitle. Okay. Scout's to, Honor. Yeah, it's called uh, Scout's Honor. And I got to look the whole title up now. <laughs> Scouts honor the you had one job. <laughs> the secret files of the Boy Scouts of America. Okay, I do want to thank everybody so far who's donated to my Walk a Mile in Their Shoes. Mm-hmm. Again, this year, what this fundraiser is about—if you haven't heard it before—is I put on a pair of high heel shoes and then I walk a mile uh, with a bunch of other people. It's Don't look at me mile. like that. It's it's a it's, it's like two blocks. It's a symbolic mile. Mm. You think like my ankles could take a whole actual mile? Yes. One time, yeah, I think the first year, guys, when we did it, it was something like a mile. It was very long. And then the second year, they said, yes, and we're going to do it through this park. And the ground was soft. And everybody, especially me, in the high heel shoes were just getting, they were just sticking in the mud. And the shoes come up. So now we're just going up and down the street. Yeah. But I digress. We're raising money for the crisis center. Of Central New Hampshire. Yep. This is uh, an organization locally for us that um, provides emergency services for women and families in need if they're trying to um, avoid, 
intimate partner violence, uh, things of this nature. Every year I've done this. Last year I was the number one fundraiser. Yes. And that's because Crime Writers On listeners came from everywhere and they donated five, ten bucks. I even got this. I've already got a hundred dollar donation from a, a listener. And so everybody who's been like uh, giving, thank you so much. There's links at crimewriterson.com or you can find uh, one of the posts in our Facebook in group. In the show notes? That's the best. But people listening right now, put it right in the show notes, oh, Kevin. I'm making a note. The show. phone is in their hand. They can just open the show notes and go click. Wouldn't I'm ri- that be good? I'm writing show <laughs> notes. Look at your you show can notes, everyone. You listen to podcasts everyone. on your phone? Oh, That's shut right. up. <laughs> shut up, Toby this Ball. This is the guy who's literally never heard this podcast before. <laughs> What's that music? <laughs> it's called the theme music, Toby. How, Kevin, how much did you raise yeah. last year? I can't remember the amount. It was more than $5,000. Th- it was, it was, yeah. It was, it was a something lot. like that. It was a lot. I set my goal at $2,000 this year, and I think that that was ambitious. But it, you guys always come through, so I appreciate that. Yeah. Toby, how much are you going to donate? See, this is, the, this is the strong arm shit. Watch this. Toby, have you donated yet to my walk? I'm, I'm donating eighty two fifty. Eighty two fifty? Yeah. That's it. That's a very particular, peculiar number. Why is it eighty two fifty? I just just that's what rolled off my tongue. Oh, excellent. <laughs> All right. Lara Bricker, I know you don't you the money that you were gonna spend on new shoes, are you gonna support me? Uh eighty two fifty one. Oh my god, it's like price is right. <laughs> um I always donate behind your back. Yeah, okay. I do. And you know, you know how I always donate behind your back and you're always like, Why did you do that? I'm actually doing doing it and raising the money. I'm like because you're also supposed to donate. You're supposed to donate. <laughs> no, no, no do I, these I do. I donate when I. Yes. I make a separate donation when I register. Yes, and then I also then, donate. That's fantastic. <laughs> it's all a good cause, everybody. Yes. And so I don't want to take up too much more time because we'll be talking about this in the next couple episodes. The walk is October fourth. It's in downtown Concord, New Hampshire. I will be streaming it on the Facebook group and. That way, you know, you can watch as I tumble and fall and break something, but it's all for a good cause. Yes. And what's the name of your team? It is called Stilettos on the Side of Love. It's a team with some some of our friends. They've organized it. Um, They are... I want to say volunteer. They're like they're benefactors of this benefactors, charity, big yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. are. They give a lot of money, and so this is a little something we can do to kind of it's all we help can them afford out to do. It's help. all we can afford to do. <laughs> yeah, is have you guys throw money at us. Yeah, so anyway, it's, it's always fun. Always thanking everybody, and I always say, look, if you can't support. You know, this event for me this year, that's fine. Try to do something closer to your home. And, um, you know, that that makes sense for you. It's, you know, we're just always paying it forward. You know, people always say whenever I like do a panel at a, mm-hmm. any kind of thing about like, you know, injustice, mm-hmm. they always ask some, one panelist always, whether it's about wrongful conviction or some sort of injustice, uh, intimate partner violence or anything. They always say, what can I do to help? Right. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I've heard that. Yeah. And very often. It's honestly, it's something like this is donating a little bit of money. It's showing up to volunteer for an event. It's, it's just speaking out like you're doing right now using your platform. Like if mm-hmm. you have a little bit of a platform mm-hmm. sharing it in this way, like mm-hmm. that is what you can do to help. Sometimes just showing up. Yeah. 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 Showing up, showing up for, you know, women and families in crisis, showing up, just showing up, show up. Yeah. And the idea when they say walk a mile in their shoes, it's more than just actually the the walk in the high heels. It is about meditating. It's about thinking about the, the places that those people have been in and what you can do to, to help. So anyway, uh, walk a mile in their shoes. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, is that all we have to talk about before we talk about what we're talking about? Well, I mean, we got so much to talk about. So why don't we talk about that thing we're going right, to talk, talk about? Let's talk about the thing we're going to talk about. Laura and Toby, you ready to talk about the thing we're going to talk about? I suppose. Uh, yeah, sure. 
<laughs> so he's like, yeah, it's optional. Sure, why not? Right. Why don't you talk about your fundraiser for another hour, Kevin? End of show. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Okay, let's do it. Let's go ahead and drop that first clip right now. Leading off. We had people falling out of the boats just because they'd hit a stomp and you didn't know it was there. And that gave Scott a hunch about what had happened to his friend Mike. I said, okay, if he's gone out and he fell overboard, you know, the water's super cold now, the weather's cold. It didn't look good. In December of 2000, Florida's Mike Williams disappeared in alligator-infested waters while duck hunting. His loss seemed to crush his wife Denise and his best friend Brian Winchester. While authorities ruled his presumed death an accident, his mother Cheryl believed it was foul play. As we went to leave, uh, Miss Cheryl said, uh, I just don't believe he's in the light. For years, Cheryl begged police and reporters to look into Denise's involvement. It wasn't until years later, when Denise got an insurance payout and married Brian, did investigators reopen Mike's case. You say I was out duck hunting here at this time. But when you're coming back and you're trying to recreate a narrative with your ex-wife on where you were during that time so that you can cover, there must be something in there that's scaring him. From Wondery comes Over My Dead Body, Gone Hunting, season four of the true crime podcast series. Host Jennifer Portman recounts the two decades long investigation and her own reporting on whether Mike's wife and best friend were involved in his disappearance. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about significant plot points from Over My Dead Body, Gone Hunting. So if you want to remain spoiler free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes to hear our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. Now, Laura, this is not a revelatory podcast about a larger social issue, right? Right. Yeah. So this is not one of those podcasts where there's some big injustice or something that needs to be righted. This to me was like more in the line of listening to a Dateline episode, like being retold. That said, I found it very engaging, but you've got this sort of traditional, what I think of when I think of turning on Dateline, a husband and wife. One of them goes missing, might be dead. Then there's maybe some infidelity. And then everybody talks about them. And it's that very sort of straightforward true crime type of story that, you know, back in the heyday of the true crime books, these were the type of cases that everybody was selling books about. Yeah. So what do you think, Toby? Because I think we found ourselves asking the same question when we were listening to this podcast. I feel like that's why I didn't read a whole lot of true crime books back in the heyday of true crime books. According yeah, thanks, to thanks, Toby. Thank you. <laughs> no, I just, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, when it was over, I was trying to figure out like why they made a podcast about this particular case. When it was over, I was like, yeah, you know, it's put together pretty well, but I don't know why I listened to it. Yeah, I think if there's any like larger issue that they try to point to, it's near the end, right, Kevin, where it's like, did Denise get oh, yeah. railroaded comparison the, to the last episode? And I don't know if you want to jump all the way there or come back to it. But yeah, I mean, but that's that's if there's a larger issue is, is this sexist? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> and I, and I found myself thinking many times, but is this podcast sexist? Sure. Well, <laughs> I, I think that's an important question, but I don't think it's a, you know, a legal point. I think it's more of a thinking point. Like, hmm, you know, did Denise get railroaded because she's, you know, they said, you know, blame it on Eve or whatever. Um, that's literally what someone says in the yeah, podcast. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, isn't that the title of the last episode? I don't know, like, how the prosecution could live with this idea that they're going to cut a deal with the killer, 
the guy who says he pulled the trigger after luring his best friend to what he thought was going to be his drowning death and basically give him immunity for that and then testify, make him the star witness against the wife who may have been an accomplice, but certainly didn't take the same steps that he took, right? And like, well, you know, my gut tells me that she was involved. The evidence at trial is like super weak in that, on that point. Brian's testimony like really never incriminated her as much as it just sort of illustrated his own cold-bloodedness. So I was thinking like, if I were on the jury, I would probably vote to, to acquit yeah. Janice just based on that amount of information anyway there's no evidence i'm sorry okay i know we're jumping ahead here yeah they tried on multiple occasions to entrap her by getting her untaped phone calls she did not say anything incriminating Mm -hmm. in any of Mm -hmm. those phone calls Mm -hmm. nothing the only evidence against her at that trial was the testimony of a guy who definitely murdered his friend and buried his body in a swamp That's the only evidence against her. And it's like, there is this idea and it's baked into this podcast from the beginning. So now I am going to go back to the beginning. And this is where it gets kind of Dateline-y for me. Old school Dateline-y. I think, and I'm just going to be clear. I actually think Dateline has gotten a lot better in the last few years around these kinds of issues. And Toby, I know you don't watch it, but it has improved around these kinds of issues, I think. Um, And I I actually kind of think things like shows like Date with Dateline and they're, they're more aware of how they're being received, I think, than they used to be. But old school Dateline, their whole deal was... Aha, the little woman in the background (laughs) pulling the strings. And they always implied, even if at the end, like the woman ended up having nothing to do with it, that like, is she a temptress? And that is threading through this whole damn Mm -hmm. thing, right? Like it's through this whole, and that is very distasteful to me. Yeah. Two quick points for me. One, I think there was one of the charges that she was convicted of was sort of like something along the lines of accessory after the fact. They probably had a good case about that. You know, the fact that she never came forward and, you know, I mean, she certainly could have offered some information into that investigation if she wanted to. But secondly, I feel like if that's the big twist at the end is that they're going after her. I think like maybe they tipped that way too much in the first two or three episodes Hmm. that she wasn't sad enough or she's, you know, it doesn't come off at all like a surprise to us in the podcast that, you know, this, oh no, this wasn't him working on his own. It was a plan together that they tried to do it. And the twist part wasn't there to pay off. Yeah. Listen, I'm just going to be clear. I think there should be evidence to convict somebody. I don't know whether she's forgetting. What? But I do think there should be evidence. Evidence? To what? Yeah. But in Brian's head, she was right behind him the whole time. Exactly. Yeah. He, <laughs> he literally said that. When you shot Mike Williams at Lake Seminole with 12 gauge shotguns, and he's Williams standing there with you? No, she wasn't. She was in my head, behind me. She was in your head? hmm Ethan let the moment sink in for the jury. Brian was saying Denise's role in the actual commission of the murder was that Denise was, quote, in my head, behind me. He literally said that on the stand. Was she, and that was what the, um... Her defense attorney asking him on the stand, right? Was she even there? And he was like, in my head, she was. She was right behind me, in my head. (laughs) In my head movie. (laughs) (laughs) Laura, Jennifer Portman, the reporter here, uh, local reporter on the story. What do you think about her as a host? Um, I think obviously she's the right person to tell this story. She has obviously a bigger job now, but when she was 
first introduced to this story. She's, you know, a new beat reporter. And she's one of those reporters that you can admire because she's, you know, that shoe leather reporter who's out looking for stories and is curious about what's happening. And she sees this ad in the newspaper um, that's been placed by Mike Williams' mother, Cheryl, asking for help and information about her missing son. And, you know, that kind of raises her curiosity and she becomes involved in this case and starts doing all sorts of research, getting all the documentation right down to like investigating what's the story with the alligators in this lake where he went missing. So I, I liked that we had consistency from somebody who obviously knows this case, but knows the family members in this case that were affected. And, you know, so many times we hear podcasts where we have the person say like, well, I was just reading this in the newspaper and then I just couldn't stop thinking about it. So I thought I'd make a podcast. Well, here's somebody who actually did all of the reporting and actually did have a vested interest and a legitimate interest in this case. One day in May, 2006, I made that right turn and followed the path surrounded by towering trees, wondering whether I had come to the right place. I was a reporter at the local newspaper, the Tallahassee Democrat, and I was new in the area, following my spidey sense for news. I do wonder, like, why we're telling the story now, but it's an interesting case. I mean, it was interesting to listen to, uh, but Jennifer was definitely the person to tell this story. I actually think it was very thin, though. I mean, Toby, there there felt like moments where there was more there there that we didn't get. She's like, I, I did lots of stories on the insurance fraud. And I'm like, what insurance fraud? All we heard was that she got the death certificate and they made the claim. And then there was an investigation of insurance fraud. We didn't really hear a resolution to that. And then we get all these clues about domestic violence, like what happens with her new boyfriend at that hotel. But there's not a lot of digging into that. Didn't you feel like the reporting in this podcast, I mean, I felt like it was a rock skimming along the surface of the pond just to sort of like move the murder story along. That that was sort of my impression. Yeah. I mean, it kind of it kind of feels like newspaper reports on it rather than going too far in depth. I guess you mentioned a couple of things that, that she could have followed up on, but I was trying to figure out, you know, what's interesting about this case that you can kind of dig into and I, I kind of feel like she would have done well to either center herself a little bit more in the case and have it follow her as she goes about the business of reporting on it or center Cheryl, the mother in the case. Like, I feel like either one of those would have given like at least some kind of arc, at least following somebody as they as they go along in trying to either report on the case or try and draw eyes to the case. But sort of absent that. Again, like you said, it's it's sort of like, and then this happened, and then this happened, and this happened. They tried to do this, and that didn't work, and they found out he was lying about this. And it's just, in the end, it's like, you know, it's kind of like just to what end? Like, not to discount the effect it has on the people who are actually involved, but it doesn't really come off as being super unusual or, or like, giving you some kind of idea about anything. It's just, it's just some stuff that happened. Yeah, I was also wondering that, to Toby as if if Jennifer could have put herself a little more into this. I mean, she did recount her involvement in the places in the story where she was, but that's those are all kind of 
in the later half of the series. And, you know, I think it might have been a way there, yeah, to insert herself more throughout that would have sort of elevated this podcast instead of like this, you know, color by numbers rehash of what it was essentially uh, an older case. You know, a way like like someone who like really puts themselves in the story, someone like Laura Bricker, when she's investigating this Pooping dog throughout Exeter in the latest episode of Leave It to Bricker. Oh, wait, are we in the business section? This is the business section already. Okay, we're in the business section. And for folks that are patrons at patreon.com slash partners in crime media, they were treated to something. At the last episode, Laura, we were teasing about how the next episode of Leave It to Bricker was going to be about goats mm-hmm. and poison ivy, which already sounds like... Insane. Peak Laura Bricker, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, like, you had me at goats. But then... <laughs> It was an emergency, part one of what it promised to be a two-parter. Yeah. About a a dog. Breaking news. A dog. Someone's dog has been shitting all over quaint AF Exeter. I legit think you should pitch this story to NHPR. That's how good of a story I think it is. <laughs> oh my God, did you listen? It's, it's hysterical. People are, is all anyone is talking. And I shouldn't say hysterical, but it is all people are talking no, about. it's hysterical. I saw the pictures. The poop is the biggest you, poop I've well, ever seen. you've got to listen. You've got to listen to the latest Leave it to Bricker. Yeah. Because people have theories. Is it a right-handed or a left-handed dog walker? Yeah. Is it this person? Um, we have people that apparently there is a company for 40 to $60. You can do your own DNA test on dog poop to find the perpetrator. Do wow. it, man. Yeah, fuck those people this who spend the, that it money. It is the yeah. biggest. I mean, there are like giant dogs in my neighborhood. There's a dog named Dandy who yeah. belongs to my coworker Josh Rogers, who's like one of the biggest dogs I've ever seen. That dog's poop is like half the size of the, the pictures that you sent. Well, I've yes. never seen anything like this. It's like bigger <laughs> than Great Dane, bigger than Mastiff. Yeah. It looks like a lion. Is pooping in your town. <laughs> maybe Laura, maybe Carol Baskin could come up and help identify. <laughs> you know, she, she's getting out of big cats. Maybe she should get into some Someone's big dogs. Someone's yeah. up on Metamucil. With wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's serious. Yeah. Anyway, in order to hear that, you got to support us at the, uh, the Bricker scale level. That's how you get Leave It to Bricker. You also get other, other great things. You can get all the episodes of Crime Writers on early and ad-free. You also can listen to the Crime Writers on After Show. This week, we're going to be talking about Adnan Syed's impromptu press conference. He held the press conference for two hours on the one-year anniversary of his exoneration. And so much has happened since then. You're going to fill us in on that, right? I'm going to read you in, as they say, on what's happening. We're going to talk about our thoughts. Also want to let people know we've got a big event coming up. It's going to be on the evening of October 3rd. That also happens to be the uh, season finale for Hulu's Only Murders in the Building. So we're going to have a live show that night on Crowdcast for our patrons. We're going to run through our episode, giving our reviews of season three. And then it'll be out in the uh, the podcast. The audio version will be out in the feeds uh, in an expedited fashion. Wow. Also, I want to let you know there is Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club. The next book club podcast episode is going to be about Gilbert King's Beneath a Ruthless Sun. Did you see who signed we, up to show up for that Patreon? I saw someone club? named Gilbert signed up, and I'm <laughs> oh, assuming. He did. Yeah. So if you haven't gotten an angry email yet, then I, apparently it went well. <laughs> Can you just tease it? Did everybody like the book? Oh yeah, yeah. It's a really good book. It's it's, it's <laughs> uh, no, it's super interesting. I had uh, Elon Green and Nanita Cranford, and we. If you if you like Bone Valley, like this isn't sort of in the same time period or whatever. It's 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 mostly late fifties, but he just he paints such a compelling picture 
of Lake County, Florida, and uh, mm-hmm. how this one racist sheriff kind of ran roughshod over over the people there. Uh, so it's really good. Highly recommended. We had a, we had a really good conversation. Hopefully, uh, Gilbert King enjoys it. Or enjoyed it. Enjoy, <laughs> enjoyed it. I don't think he was watching us. Oh. <laughs> I don't think he was watching us record. Okay. Oh, no, I think. Well, he might have gone He might have gone back and watched the video. Yeah, so, I think he may yeah. have. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah, so we won't oh, be able to take out those racist things that you say. You know. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm always editing out. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's like, damn it, Toby. You really? Know, yeah. <laughs> thought you were woke. Right on God, the verge of getting canceled all yeah, the time. all the time. I always say yeah. Anyway, those are all great things. Those are all great things you can get by supporting us. More than 400 exclusive podcasts there at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. So, Kevin, does that end the business section? Yeah, that ends the business section. I'm going to go ahead and fade that music out right now. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So Toby, you have a note that I want to ask you about. Sure. Why do you think that Brian and Denise don't understand how God works? It is a strange thing to me because maybe maybe they understand it better than me. But this whole idea that, you know, you're going to commit a murder, but you're going to like leave a slight chance on the off chance that God doesn't want him to die where he can like kind of get out of it. And then everything will be fine. And then they just have to confess to God and everything's cool. It's strange. It's a strange little, uh, I don't know what church they go to that, that preaches that kind of stuff. This is another reason why I think Denise probably has nothing to do with this. Keep going, please, because all of your theories are true. Go ahead. Okay. Is that Brian, while he's on the stand, is kind of asked, I think. Is this, is this right? He's asked about, like, why don't you guys... You know, why didn't, why didn't she just get divorced and you guys get married? He's like, oh, you know, Denise, like, I don't know if it's like religion or family or pride, but, you know, divorce wasn't really going to happen. And I was like, so you're going to murder him? Yeah, like, murder's that's, good. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. Like that, that, that's better for her pride if you actually murder the guy. So I loaded my gun and I just, I made one or two circles around and I ended up circling closer towards him and he was in the water and as I passed by I shot him so you know that just seems so kind of ridiculous that again if I was on the jury feels like he's like not just like making this up but he's making it up right on the spot like he hasn't put any thought into this at all he's just sort of speaking off the cuff and then the final thing is that Brian like tries to pay somebody to set her up from jail for the crime or to be complicit. If she's already complicit, why don't you just go with that? Why do you pay (laughs) to double the complicity? Um, I loved that guy though, because he's like, well, I just took the money and I was like young. So I like bought some shit. Exactly. Well, I was like, that's that always happens. When has that plan, that plan ever worked out? Hey, you're a convict and you're leaving prison, but I'm stuck behind. Take my money and go do something with it. Yeah. That's what happened in the Seth Mazzalia case. That was a book, Toby, a true crime book that you obviously didn't read. <laughs> Which one was that? That was Darkheart. Yeah. The book that we wrote. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like he gives money to somebody who's leaving prison. This guy's like, 
Thanks for the money. Yeah, I'm going to tell you that I tried doing that thing and it didn't work. But my other question was, there was a second guy outside That's prison a great question. who gave him the money. Why did he have to have what? that guy do it? I, what? <laughs> who was that guy? How come he isn't getting arrested? Yeah. Why not just have that guy do the thing that his friend in prison? None that was, of this. Yeah. And that's that an why I think the reporting was thin because there were so many details. I was also like, what did Mike do for work that he was traveling all the time? And I know that those things seem small, but they're actually not small. They actually kind of fit into. Oh, no, they said that. What did he do for work? I don't know. I forget. No. I don't know. You know why? Because they didn't tell you. His fr- His boss was his good friend that he traveled with all the time, that he talked to. They never tell you what his job actually was. We only know what Brian's job was because Brian sold him the insurance policy. Yeah. I'll just add, though, if they did say it, I forgot about it. That's what I just said. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, Laura, we have to talk about Cheryl for a second. Right. Standing with like signs outside a church in this community um, seems to have really pissed some people off. I'm not sure why that was a particular move that pissed people off, but it really did. She was supposed to go to church. I mean, it, it, it worked, right? Yeah. You know, she, for a long time, was the one that was really keeping this case alive before Mike's body was found. And it's just really sad when you think about this mother out there hoping for some sort of closure and hoping to be taken seriously. And instead people are just like, what the fuck are you doing? Like with your son, like people are mad at her for doing this. So that's why I'm glad that Jennifer Portman followed up with her because I felt like finally somebody was listening to this woman. I like to always look at the pictures of the people that are involved in cases And she got like wheeled into like in her little wheelchair, the most recent hearings in this case. So this is a woman who is aging as this case is going on. Her health is maybe declining and yet she's continuing to sort of persevere to find some closure for what happened to her son. And yeah, if you look also, you can see the pictures of her holding up her little signs and they're just they're they're just very homemade, too. So maybe that's why she was getting a lot of shit for her signs. But, you know, I, I'm glad that she was there to see this case through when it finally got to that point. So, Kevin, the original theory is that guy, he got eaten by alligators yeah. after getting pulled down while wearing his waders. Yeah. There's another thing that an alligator had a TikTok clock inside it who kept chasing him. <laughs> yeah. I know I know I but he didn't get eaten by alligators listeners. So Kevin's joke by the way, it's it's gruesome but like it actually yeah, didn't get no, eaten. It but like, there is an opening scene in the podcast where they sort of fly over and then it's like all the alligators are on the boat and then she says something like but there was something else there lurking that was much more dangerous. And I'm after listening to the podcast I'm like Actually, no, there wasn't because his body wasn't actually even there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But there is this thing that never gets followed up on where months after he's missing, they pull out his waders and jacket and all of his paperwork and stuff. Mm -hmm. His hunting license is intact and his waders don't have any slime on them or anything. Yeah. Aren't you curious? Like, what the fuck? So, but if 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 this testimony that Brian gave is that he thought the water would fill up the waders and bring him straight down and drown him. Mike was able to get out of the waders and was able to get out of the, you know, the surface of the water. That's why he had to, had to shoot him. Right. So I'm like, did he drag the body in and then pull in the, the waders as well? Right. And like this, filled with water, yeah. you know, water weighs eight pounds a gallon. Right. So that's like a whole other, you know, he did pull that. He did. He had to have, because he was covering up the murder. He had to have pulled the waiters out of the water. He had yeah. to have, right? He couldn't leave them. But but later he did. 
right? Later, apparently we believe it was planted months later, you know, not at the time because there was no slime on it. Do you know how we it. know it was planted months later? Because the jacket was also there. Yeah. I mean, I thought if it was going to be like, oh, he's, he's left by beaten by alligators. Look at me. Case Leave closed. him for the alligators. Nancy Drew, case yeah. closed. I, clo- I solved the case. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So the whole idea that this is his plan and then it's foiled because he, he takes off his waiters seems like, uh, you know, damn it. That was the one loophole. He could just take them off and then he won't sink to the bottom. The whole thing is just ridiculous. It wasn't like wearing it was an astronaut suit and five people had to help him in it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just he obviously like unclipped them and they they're heavy and they sank, you know, I mean, <laughs> they probably just slipped or right they off floated because they had like air in them or but whatever. E- yeah, yeah. Either way. I mean, it's not like if they're heavy, they'll sink. And if they're not heavy, they weren't going to pull them down anyway. And so how, how deep was this water? Because if the. Oh, it was deep, deep. Well, okay. it wasn't that deep. He was able to. There was rocks that he was able to like. The stumps. Over to. Yeah, they were yeah. stumps. Stumps. Well. Yeah, so there were trees. So they they couldn't have been that deep, right? I just I kind of feel like Brian never thought out any of this stuff very carefully. Yeah, like his wife being asleep when she wasn't. I mean, he tried to kidnap Denise. He was going to murder her. Yeah. Why was he trying to murder her if she was complicit in the murder? Right. This is another like big question. He was going to murder her, right? Only if he thought that. She was going to give him up, right? But there was also like this great undercover audio with Ken. We didn't even talk about this. I thought this was one of the better parts of the podcast. Oh, is they yeah. had this super great undercover uh, audio with Kathy. If I thought it had been important or if I thought I should have known, I guess I would have written it all down. But no, I didn't. I didn't think, oh, you know what? I'm going to find out later today that Mike has disappeared. And in five years, the cops are going to think I did it. I better write down everything I did today. If you don't remember, then that's your problem. I know what I remember, and I don't like that. Cool as a cucumber. She keeps her yeah. composure. My favorite thing about Kathy is she's like, he's watching me now to see if my lips move. I'm like, are you like, are you talking with your lips not moving? What are she's you doing, like, Kathy? I'm really good at know. Kathy's turning her head, just like pretend to fix her hair. Drink she's a glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out Over My Dead Body, Gone Hunting? It is a very Wondery podcast from Wondery. (laughs) Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Over My Dead Body, Gone Hunting? Um, I think I'm going to be in the minority here. So I'm going to go mild thumbs up on this. You know, this isn't a podcast where I feel like there's any big revelation that I couldn't find just going and looking up articles about this case. But in terms of the production of it and the writing for me, it was very easy to follow. It was told in a way that was like reminiscent of watching Dateline, but listening to it. And I was engaged listening to this story the the whole time that I was listening. And yeah, there was issues with it. I feel like that sort of defense advocate side of my persona was, was fired up at the way that Denise was portrayed in this. Um, but otherwise, the reason I'm not going full thumbs up is I, I do think, you know, they could have gone deeper on some of the issues. But overall, it was a very superficial in the way that it was told. Look at this case, but they had audio of all these people that were involved. They had some really interesting audio clips from people that knew them. And I mean, who and this is just a teaser and a bit of a spoiler. Who doesn't want three thousand dollars worth of pot brownies? Well, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was that was one of my favorite parts of this podcast. So mild thumbs up for me. Toby Ball, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Over My Dead Body, Gone Hunting. 
Uh, I guess I'm a thumb sideways. Uh, I, I think the positives are a lot of what Laura said. It's easy to follow. There's some good audio. You know, the writing's fine, all that kind of stuff. The story, there's just not, there's not a ton to it. And then as Laura also said, you know, the, the, the sort of reporting of the information you get is sort of only so deep, but at the same time, I don't know if this case really needs like a huge forensic examination or whatever, just because it doesn't seem so vital or interesting to me. So anyway, I mean, I think it's, it's fine. Like it's, we've certainly listened to a lot worse and I think it's, it's put together fine. So the thumb sideways, I don't, I don't want to give it a thumbs down because it's not that bad. Kevin Flynn. Yeah, I'm, I'm a slight thumbs up on this. I it's fine. It's a fine true. It's perfectly, it's perfectly fine. <laughs> this is like the celery of true crime podcast. It's it's serviceable, <laughs> and if they want to put that up like in a big like yeah, ad in variety, like what's oh, serviceable crime writers on, you know, it it, it works like that. It's, Just, it's, it's store brand orange juice. It's fine. It's fine. Look, I mean, it ain't Tropicana, folks. It's fine. It, it's certainly something uh, Dateline should be covering, and I believe they did cover it. It's, it kind of has those kind of beats to it. It's put together very competently. Jennifer is great in this because this is the story of her career, right? And so the, I can tell that she's enthusiastic about it. Put together well. Just said that it doesn't like, there's really nothing about it that sort of sings. There's some really good twists and turns. I mean, great twists and turns. But without spoiling, I think that they tipped their hand a little bit in the beginning on something that they were hoping was going to be a big surprising twist at the end. And it just it just wasn't. If I had been made to feel like there was a big twist at the end, maybe I would be like, oh, wow, enthusiastic thumbs up. But it's okay. Listen to it. It's certainly a lot better than the stuff that we've gotten from Wondery in the past. Okay, I'm giving it a thumb sideways only because I think people who like like this kind of true crime podcast will like it. Mm hmm. So I can't give it a thumbs down because for what it is, it was well done. Okay. But I've got a big complaint about this podcast that I just, I need to share. Personally, I don't like it, but it's not, I can't say that it's bad. So I'm giving it a thumb sideways. Over My Dead Body season one sort of did the Carol Baskin story, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that there's an interesting story here that if it's not true that the woman involved isn't positioned the way that she might be on its surface... They did a terrible job exploring it. They did a terrible job exploring it. And it could have been framed completely differently. And if it is true, <laughs> they also did a terrible job with that. Mm. So I just think the whole thing should have been flipped and done from that perspective. Because if that is really what's going on here, like that the result is or isn't right, that's the story. Mm-hmm. The story isn't this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened. The story is like, here's the deal, guys. Now let's go back and tell you how we got here. And that is the story. It actually does speak to larger issues. And like, that's just not addressed at all. And I just think that's a missed ball in this whole thing. And um, it bothers me. It really bothers me because it was a, it was like just a missed opportunity to do something more interesting with this interesting genre of stuff of like people looked at for things that we might find unlikable kind of stuff. And this is a great example of that. And I really think that like this could have been one of those things. So I'm just going to leave it there. Thumb sideways for me. People will like it. I didn't hate listening to it. So I can't give it a thumbs down. If that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, it's serviceable. It's 
serviceable. <laughs> All right, now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, a little something I like to call the crime of the crime week. Crime of the week. Scientists from around the world were recognized this month for their research, but not in a good way. The annual Ig Nobel Prizes were awarded for humorous scientific feats. A Polish paleontologist was awarded for his white paper on why scientists like to lick rocks. He says the wet surface makes the fossil and mineral textures stand out. They also taste like a rock. Mm. An award went to scientists in four countries who experimented with reanimating dead spiders to make grippers for robots. Other studies included whether electrified chopsticks change how food tastes, an anal print sensor, whether or not teacher boredom affects student boredom, how many pedestrians will look up at the sky if they see another person looking up at the sky. I would do that, yeah. Everyone would. And whether the motion in the ocean is caused by anchovy sex. Salty, right? This is the 33rd first annual Ig Nobel Prizes. That's right. The 33rd first annual. Before the ceremony went virtual during the pandemic, honorees received their prizes from actual Nobel laureates at Harvard. We're not 100% clear on whether these experiments were supposed to be serious or whether they were a joke from the beginning. We just wish we were in the room for the pitch meeting to get their funding. So panel, the 34th, First annual Ig Nobel Prizes are around the corner. What is the next oddball experiment to be honored? What do you think, Laura Bricker? Turning all the dog poop in Exeter into cotton candy. Mm. <laughs> what do you think, Toby? What is the next oddball experiment to be honored at the Ig Nobel Prizes? Why aren't women thinking about the Roman Empire? <laughs> what yeah. do you think, Kevin? Uh, beans, are they the magical fruit? Oh, Yeah. No. All right, Laura Bricker, if folks want to reach out to you to find out the answer to those conundrums in Exeter, how can they find you on social media? They can find me at Laura Bricker. What about you, Toby? How can you be found online? At Toby Ball NH. Kevin Flynn? Yeah, Toby, what do you think the people in the Roman Empire thought about? Us, probably Twitter. Succession. Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. <laughs> if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. Follow the show everywhere at Crime Writers On. And I encourage you to join our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. All you got to do is go to Facebook, look for us, hit join the group. If you can name one of us, say which one is your favorite crime writer and literally name one of us. There were two Lara Brickers today, by the way. We will let you in. We also have a regular Facebook page just to go there for content, but join the group. I promise it's awesome. Get episodes early and ad-free at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You'll also get the Crime Writers on After Show, Married with Podcast, Laura Bricker's Leave it to Bricker Podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcasts. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the wonderful Livy Burdett, who is moving, by the way, Kevin, to Spain. To Spain. The executive producer of this program Adios. is Kevin Flynn. This show was recorded in the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi Studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement, where I also continue to pay the premiums on Kevin's life insurance, even though he thought he let it lapse. That's actually kind of true. <laughs> on behalf of all the crime writers, thank you so much for listening. We will catch you later. Later. His mother, Cheryl, believed it was foul play. Foul play. I see what you did there. I didn't even realize that. <laughs> <laughs> we always say foul play. I know. All right. There you go, Livy. There's your outtake. Fuck. <laughs>